Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you'd like to join me with some chamomile and spearmint tea. Let's do it. We lit a candle for this beautiful day on the Deep Waters Podcast. I got my chamomile spearmint tea. Hold a chamomile spearmint. It, and heat. It's just water. Just water. Cheers. Cheers. We're glad to be here. Hi, Jace. How are you? <sighs> Hi, Benjamin. Um, it's been a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those days it's been full of the Holy Spirit's conviction, <laughs> but also those. just the inpouring of, of, you know, encouragement from mm-hmm. saints and I don't know. So it's been like a, just a really rich day. I'm so glad. That's how I'm doing. How are you doing? I've been feeling that too. It's been a good day. Um, yeah, maybe not as productive of a day as I had hoped it would be. Whoa. Yeah. Not, but not productive at all in the spirit. <laughs> are you saying that for me or for you? For me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah for yeah. me too. But it's definitely been a blessing of a day. I just love mm-hmm. when God shows up and the Holy spirit has been speaking to me a lot today. So I love that. Wow. Our God is so personal. Yes, he is. It's um, it's absurd how kind he is to just be present with us and to teach us and speak to us and love on us and, and guide us. And hmm. Yeah, I pray wherever you find yourself right now, listener, that you would be aware of Holy Spirit's nearness, that you'd be almost shocked at how accessible he is always in this moment, especially. Amen. Hmm. Not that he's especially present in this moment, but that you're aware of his presence, presence. especially in this moment, because we're talking about it. <laughs> especially. Especially. <laughs> um, what do you want to do today, good. Jace? Any ideas? We finished the communion miniseries. Totally. Um, what if I just said something that we weren't planning on <laughs> at all? <laughs> We've talked about <laughs> yeah. uh, the downfall of Blockbuster. Yeah, totally. Sounds good. Did you, there's there's only one blockbuster left. You know where it's at? Bend, Oregon. <sighs> nice job. Thank you. You know your video rental history. Yeah, I'm a big video rental history guy. I heard there was a second to last one that closed oh. down not all that long ago in oh. An- Anchorage, I think. Oh, wow. But Bend is the only one left. I If, uh, if my sources are correct. Yes, I think that's those are my sources as well. I, I loved going to the video rental store. Mm. Not to... What's the saying like wax something? Oh, to like oh, I can't. I never you know, say that saying. I know. I know, I know it's mean. like no one says it, but for some reason, I like wax reminiscing, or that's not it. Yeah, not. To it's not important. Whatever. I'm not even gonna look it up. Um, <laughs> so I, I, Danica yeah, probably knows. It's great. Danica definitely knows. Yeah. Um, but if, you, <clears throat> if your name is Danica, email us at <laughs> deepwaters at <laughs> com. Heck, if you're listening to this, just email us at deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, specifically, if you'd like to hear something um, 
that we do on this podcast. If you want us to unpack something, we're always looking for that. And yeah. today we're going to try a different kind of deep waters podcast because mm-hmm. we're just going to study scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I like, I, I mean, we, we now, uh, you, the listener and I get a study of scripture with Benjamin Olson. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which is really exciting. And not only scripture, but more specifically the Psalms, mm. which he is just, I don't know, a deep lover of the Psalms. I do love the Psalms. I mean, I love the Psalms too, but it's funny. I, it I still feel like a very beginner when it comes to the Psalms. There's 150 of them and they're all very deep wells. Wow. It's like, man, you could read them dozens of times each and just be scratching the surface is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Huh. So we're going to snag one today. I'm excited. One of my very personal favorites, Psalm 46. And we're just going to soak in it, spend some time, walk through it. I don't even have notes. We just have the Psalm in front of us and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. See what we see. Things I hope by the grace of the Holy Spirit will kind of leap off the page to us and we'll make connections to other parts of the Bible that will enhance the way that we see this Psalm. Mm -hmm. Um, And listener, I'm sure that you're going to be thinking different things about the Psalm as we go on. And Mm -hmm. if you are here at this table with us, then we could all be talking about more things, which is be great, but Mm. that's the value in Bible study. And Come so on. we're just going to do it live right now. I love it. I'm also, I wanted to plug Benjamin's Spoken Psalms YouTube channel. Mm. So should we, <laughs> and so we're going to play a, his recording of Psalm 46, which is great. Wow. Um, <laughs> is, should we go right into it? Sure. Let's just go right in. Okay. Yeah. All right. You can look at the beautiful visuals if you're watching it on YouTube, but we can all listen to it. Benjamin Olson's buttery voice. (laughs) Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. 
Wow. That is a good song. There's so much in that. Yeah. It's beautiful. I don't know if you are like me, but when I first started reading the Psalms, it all was just the same to me. Like, yeah, I didn't really make a ton of sense of it, especially when I was a teenager, you know, I'd like read a Psalm and I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, that's a Psalm. But the only Psalm there really is is Psalm 23 and the rest are just like nice Bible words. Yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. totally. And I don't even really know what those Bible words say, but I read them and I gloss over them and it's all just whatever. I don't know. Maybe I would read to get it over with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever read the Bible like that? <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's so devastating because it's the, the living and active word of God. So hopefully that doesn't happen very much. Mm-hmm. And my conviction is that the more we spend time in it, um, with our hearts and minds open, the less that will happen. Um, so hopefully if Psalm 46 comes across to you listener like that, like you just heard in a lot of nice Bible words, yeah. um, whatever God is great. Yeah. And strength. I, I am refuge. I'm confident in God. Mm-hmm. Yay. Most high. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. It's like another praise song. Great. Um, if, if that's you, hopefully that this conversation will make you step back and look at this one Psalm as one example of the 150 Psalms in the Bible, um, and think, wow, God is amazing. And this specific Psalm has a lot of specific things to say and all of them do different from one another. And it's profound. Um, so do you mind actually, if I just nerd out a little bit about what the book of Psalms is, I was hoping he would do that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So funny. I do not mind. Before we get into this Psalm itself. Um, yeah, the book of Psalms is spelled wrong why why is a p there yeah actually i don't know okay carry on greek i think oh right okay carry on (laughs) i like that i don't actually know how the word psalm is spelled in hebrew what it even is it's not doesn't matter you're you're fine sorry i don't know where the p comes from okay i think it's greek but whatever um they have silent p's in greek but the book of psalms is a compilation that was like i hmm, intentionally woven by editors of scripture that said, oh, kind of like, um, what is it called? And like an anthology of sorts. Yeah. If I have a whole bunch of wonderful worship music that was written by the same people group, Mm -hmm. um, there were some editors in the time of the exile in Babylon and post Babylon, we think that through those hymns and psalms of worship and praise together in a really specific order even. Oh wow. So like David wrote we think roughly like 70 of the psalms. Mm-hmm. Um which is a great portion of them. It's like half of them are attributed to him. Yeah. And uh so and he predated the exile by hundreds of years. And yet 
those psalms are able to be taken and woven into this anthology of sorts that tells a story itself. So if you work from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150, it's meant to tell you the story of God's creation of man, his promise of the coming of his son in Psalm 2, and then um, to the image of God in Psalm 8, Um, There's all these structures to the Psalter. So there's like five books within it, Mm -hmm. uh, five smaller books within the Psalms. And each book has like a structure that's intentional. And the Psalm in the middle of each book um, has something to say about what that book represents. There's all this like intentional structure behind it. That's amazing. And I only really know like a little bit of that. So if you thought that the Psalms were just, I don't know, a random hymn book and they were ordered alphabetically or something, that's, it's exciting to know that that's not the case. There's way more meaning there. Um, and funny enough, where Psalm 46 lies in that, I don't know. So I'll leave that as a homework assignment for whoever's listening okay, to like think about um, what Psalms precede this and what Psalms come after this. And what does it have to say uh, to the kingdom of Israel and about their future hope that they have in the coming Messiah uh, coming from their vantage point mm-hmm. pre-Jesus? For us, it's, it's all points to Jesus. Um, but yeah, uh, and then even more than that, more significant than the structure and whatnot is that the Psalms were treated by the Israelites as a prayer book that was to teach them the ways of prayer. Hmm. So the way you learned the language of prayer was memorizing the Psalms. Most Hebrew boys, especially just had all of the Psalms memorized by the time they were men. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't that great? That's so cool. Yeah. In Hebrew, that was a goal. In fact, I mean, just generations ago, I had a great grandmother that had all of the Psalms memorized crazy to think about. Yeah. I have hardly any of the Psalms memorized. I have one mm-hmm. completely memorized Psalm 23. Yeah. I it's like six one. verses pretty mm-hmm. quick. Uh, and then bits and pieces from the other Psalms. Totally. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and yet when you import all of that rich prayer language into your being, then out of that vocabulary, you can pray. You can know, Lord, how do I interact with you when I'm in fearful situations? And then Psalm 3 language starts to come up out of you. Um, How do I interact with you, Lord, when I feel like I just can't find you anywhere? Hmm. And then like Psalm 42 and Psalm 63 are going to surface. Or like, I feel like I need to run from you, God, because I'm just sick of you and I don't know what to do in my life right now, but I'm like tired of, I don't know, this relationship with you. Maybe like Psalm 139 language is just going to well up out of you because these Psalms are imported. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's the goal of the Psalms is for them to teach us how to pray. Uh, And I I love that remembrance. Um, And I think it's a great practice to even pray through the Psalms, not just read them, but try and take their language Um, on ourselves as a way of pointing our situations to God. Like uh, regularly, I'll have a teenager that will tell me, (laughs) teenager because I'm in youth ministry, but all humans deal with this. They'll say, the people who aren't following God, 
seem to have a really wonderful life and I don't. So I feel like I should not follow God because what's the point? The wicked people are living better than I am. And I'm like, isn't it encouraging to know you're not the first person that's felt that way? (laughs) Totally. Go read Psalm 73 and pray it to God Mm -hmm. and see what the process of that Psalm does to your heart. Wow. Like that's the goal of the Psalms. Um, is to interact with us in real situations of joy, of lament, of praise, of frustration, Mm -hmm. of fear, and direct us to our steadfast father who is ultimately loving, gracious, Mm -hmm. compassionate, and in whom we can always depend, um, on whom we can always depend. So like, I mean, isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's a pretty good book. It's very practical. If it has all that in it. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's an amazing book. If that's the fruit of that book, that's a pretty good book. <laughs> well done, Psalms. Well done, Psalm, Psalmists. Uh-huh. So that said, we're going to look at Psalm 46. Are you familiar with this Psalm at all, Jace? Before I, we started? I, I mean, I've read it before. Yeah, sure. I couldn't have, if you said 46, I could have been like, oh yeah, that's the one with the, um, be still and know that I'm God, you know? Yep. That's probably like the biggest, mm-hmm. you know, Hobby Lobby sign out of this one <laughs> Psalm. That's exactly it. It is um, for sure Hobby Lobby. Which is a great line, you know? But I, yeah. Okay. I was not just automatically like, oh, this is, I know what this one is. Yeah, I'm glad. That's fun. So when you say, be still and know that I am God, without even knowing that's Psalm 46. Cause I think that's a verse that has entered into our Christian language for sure. Um, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what does it mean? Generally speaking, if someone says be still and know that I'm God, um, like, what like, different meanings can that take? I would think like, don't be anxious. Like God's got it under control. Mm. I think people could kind of pull that. Um, good my translation says cease striving oh which is also good yeah i wouldn't have thought about it that way um i just would have thought of like find find peace in the knowledge of who god is Mm. i would also say that whoa so peace Mm -hmm. cease being anxious stop striving so like rest yeah and the knowledge of God that like, God is God. I am not. Mm-hmm. That's all really, really good. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's the podcast. Everyone. All right. Feel like we got it. <laughs> That's so good. So I guess my question to you is why do you say this is, is this your favorite, most favorite or one of your favorites? Oh, Pop, Psalms. Lately, Psalm 63 has been my favorite. Dude, that's my favorite. Is it? Yeah, you stole it. Duh, I st- I win. I said it first. Mm. <laughs> All right. That that's psalm fair. is insane. Oh, oh psalm is, it's so good. In For c- your steadfast love is better than life. That's yeah. that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. Oh, yeah. So good. All right, back to 46. Yeah, <laughs> Psalm 23 is mm-hmm. honestly my, my mind, because it's memorized, I think, my yeah. mind comes to it more than any other. Absolutely. Oh, I memorized Psalm one at one point. I come to that one a lot also. Mm -hmm. Um, if you don't know what Psalm one is, it's about being a tree planted by living water Oh yeah, and how 
Um, the one who is like the tree is the one who delights in the instructions of God. Hmm. And you meditate on the instructions of God day and night. That's a theme through the book of Psalms a lot. Yeah, meditating. Meditating on like God's law hmm. and his instructions. That's good. Oh, I'm glad you said that. There's maybe even one Psalm in particular that turns the volume of that all the way up, which is Psalm 119. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have, I remember we like went through it in Bible class in high school. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I think we had to like write part of it every day for like a couple weeks or something. Paul, 119? Mm-hmm. That's great. And I, I honestly did not see the value in it when I did it, <laughs> sadly. Was there still value in it nonetheless? Or do you think you had to see the value in order to get the value? Oh, I'm sure there is some value, like <laughs> that it might, like I might have retained some of it. Sure. I yeah. Don't know. Or maybe it even blessed you in those moments without you realizing it. We'll go with that. Sure. Totally. I trust that the Holy Spirit lives in the scriptures and is doing things even when we are not aware. 100%. I love that. What was that? Oh, sorry. It's a book that I was reading that mentioned something like that. Oh, great. Just, you know, how God moves when we're not expecting it. Amen. So good. Um, let, do we want to start at the beginning? Yeah, let's just slide in. So <laughs> as someone who's not a choir director, I mm. initially look at this psalm and think, oh, this one's not for me. <laughs> I better look for another one. You're so funny because it does say for the choir director. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said it because what is for the choir director isn't the psalm. Oh. It's just the little line that follows. It says, for the choir director, here's a little note for you, choir director. This is a song of the descendants of Korah to be sung by soprano voices is the translation of the New Living Translation, wow. NLT. Mine says, Elamoth. Yeah, Alamot. Alamot. <laughs> that is a Hebrew word, and it is unknown what that means exactly. But some people have said soprano voices. Exactly. All right. Some people have connected alamot to, um, honestly, I'm not super studied up on that word, but they've totally connected okay. it to um, a virgin, I think, in other Hebrew wording, okay. which has led them to think um, like young women, mm -hmm. um, women with high voices, sopranos. That's fair. <laughs> and usually these notes, um, when it says like, you know, to be played with different stringed instruments. Like mm -hmm. there's little Hebrew words that say, um, yeah, like Psalm 45, I just flipped back. It says, according to the Shoshanim, a maskil of the sons of Korah. So Shoshanim and maskil are both Hebrew words that are describing the way that the music is supposed to work. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? That's really cool. And yeah. What about that? Like maybe it's in the same way of our musicians might say, um, 4K. like what the time signature is supposed mm -hmm. to be. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Did you say 4k? I said forte. Oh, forte. Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fortissimo was crescendo in this point. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or, um, yeah. What's the time signature? What's the, isn't there sometimes at the beginning of music, it like says a word that's supposed to be the, like the feeling or the tone mm -hmm. yeah. of the song. Totally. That's kind of what's going on here with disdain. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cause you can't really write that in another way mm -hmm. in the song. That's how heartless by Kanye West starts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you be so um my <laughs> i'm sorry um, um in the 
Jewish culture, religion, mm-hmm. has any of those instructions made its way through time so we might uh, know how some of these sounded like? Um, word on the street, no. Okay. Unfortunately. I could be wrong in that, though. Mm-hmm. So if someone's listening and knows that, that the answer is yes, then please reach out. I'd love to hear more. Wow. But um, as far as I'm aware, mm-hmm. the traditions of how the Psalms were sung specifically in the temple at the time of David has been lost, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. I think with the destruction of the temple, number one, and the exile in Babylon, um, and then probably the destruction of the temple, number two, yeah. <laughs> and the exile that has since happened. For sure. Um, you know, I, I think the Hebrews have done a more exceptional job of maintaining their heritage and culture than I think any other people group, mm-hmm. I would argue through the millennia. Um, but I'm pretty sure that has been okay. lost specifically, yeah. but there are some things like there are, uh, um, Israelite descendants, modern day Israelis maybe, mm-hmm. or just Hebrew people who can create and they know how to make a specific kind of harp that was in the scale that their music was all in and it's different than the traditional like 13 note scale that we Mm -hmm. use today. I think it's like 12 notes on Mm -hmm. a harp. Um, and so they're all equal increments apart. So it would be different than the modern day, like piano scale. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure crafts like that still exist. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? That is really fascinating. But I really just don't know enough about that. What I know more about is, some of the like biblical patterns that surface yeah. in this Psalm. We can get into that. Shall we? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I do like how it says all those instructions and then just a song, a song. Does yeah. it say that too? Yep. It does. A song. Here um, we go. yeah. Hit me with it. God. Elohim. Really? Yeah. You know that? Uh huh. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> you know this whole thing in Hebrew? No, just the first, uh, stanza. Give it to us. You want it? Yeah. Okay. Elohim. You recognize that word? God. Elohim. Nice. Lenu is, he is our Lenu. Machasev oz, refuge and strength. Wow. Um, Elohim Lenu machasev oz. Ezra, vetzarot nimshama od, which is that second line, a very present help in times of trouble. Um, Alkain, lo nira, therefore we will not fear. Um, Bechemir Eretz. Eretz is earth, if you know Hebrew. Hopefully you know that word. Um, Uvmot Harim Belev Yamim. Um, Harim is like hills or mountains in the plural. Mm-hmm. Um, Belev is into the heart. And then Yamim is seas or waters. Mm-hmm. So it's like, though the mountains are thrown or thrust or transported somehow into the heart of the sea is what that says. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wow. Um, so maybe you don't don't know if this is distracting, but you're, you're good. I just want to like unpack that picture really quick. Yeah. So we're saying God is a refuge and strength. Okay. So I find shelter in him. He is strong. He's my help, even in bad times where I'm troubled. Uh, And because of that, I'm not going to fear. Though the earth should change 
And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea is what the NASB says. Um, wow. What are you picturing right now, Jace? Um, like mountains slipping into the sea and specifically the heart of the sea is probably something that you don't see that often. I would guess. Totally. So well, what, I, what are you picturing? I, well, I'm picturing like earth just piling into like the deep part of the ocean. Sure. I don't know. Like, like yeah. very, very kind of literally like, um, well, I feel like from our studies on here, I know that usually water or seas is like symbolizing chaos. Wow. Yay. Thank you. And I would think like the earth is like stability and like our firm foundation. So it's like, even when what we know gets like, tossed and changed and like completely like becomes chaotic the lord is still our refuge oh that's beautiful oh great <laughs> i think that's that's an excellent interpretation of what's going on wow the Thank deep you. waters podcast i learned that all from the deep waters podcast praise god <laughs> deep waters podcast okay let me ask you this yeah little pop quiz for listener and jace um <laughs> here land mountains even so yeah. the highland um is going into the chaos waters into the sea um does the opposite of that ever happen where land comes out of the waters well we <laughs> could look at creation or i think volcanoes <laughs> yeah the like island the of hawaii, hawaii. Yeah, the, yeah like the island of hawaii that's what i thought of for sure um, mountains come out of waters no you hit you hit okay it. Yeah, yeah creation yeah. yeah was what i was looking okay, for okay great you're perfect um, you remember on, uh, on the days of creation, water is separated from water and then God brings the land up out of the waters, hmm. which is meant to say the dwelling place where humans are able to live. Like there is no such thing until God brings it up out of the chaos. Wow. And now there's a firm foundation where humans can live. Mm -hmm. But before that, it's all just chaotic like fish could live sure but humans yeah. you ain't got no shot totally but when he's bringing the land up out of the water he's creating a place where peace shalom can exist hmm. apart from the chaos yeah so that's happening in creation so is this i've i've always wondered with this kind of picture and even like I don't know if there's any connection to this and like what Christ says what Jesus says about you can throw mountains into the ocean Yes. Okay. Totally. So I'm like, I'm I, so <laughs> glad your brain did that. Okay. Like, <laughs> but I'm also wondering, uh, I've always like, I'll read this and I'm like, when are the mountains going to go into the heart of the sea? Right. Is it just to be like a really vivid word picture for the Hebrews or would they have thought this is something that's going to happen or does happen? That's great. Like, are they worried about landslides? <laughs> I, I mean, a little bit like, yeah. I'm. is that a thing? It's a good question. So, okay. Well, Let's keep unpacking this if okay, we can. Great. Okay. So I like your, this is what I call when, when I play this, um, sometimes in Sunday school or with the youth group, I call it the link game. Mm -hmm. If we're reading along in scripture and something that we read makes a connection in your brain to something else in scripture. Yeah. Um, I usually prompt the class or whatever to yell link. And then they tell me, Oh, what well, the, the link is, 
I saw mountains and the sea, and I thought of Jesus's words where he said, for the person who has faith as a mustard seed can throw the mountains into the sea. You could say, be mm-hmm. moved, and the mountain will go. Yeah. I'm like, great, yes, Jesus is teaching on this. There's definitely overlap there. Okay. What else? Creation might come up. Mm-hmm. Um, how about any other links maybe where instead of what is happening in creation where land is coming up out of the water, is there a similar thing to this when water is overtaking the land? I would think the big, the great flood. Great. Exactly. It, the word for the Hebrew word for earth, is that similar to like air, Mount Ararat? Oh, the- is they're very similar words, aren't they? Yeah, Eretz, Eretz. and Ararat. Ararat. Okay, different. Um, okay. They are different. I don't know that there's any connection there. Okay. I think they're spelled pretty differently. Sorry, that was a bad link. Um, well, no, but I'm glad you thought. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'm impressed that you even know the name of Mount Ararat. Oh. Um, that's a link to something else. Okay. Which I'm forgetting right now. Shoot. It's okay. Brain. But the flood. Work with me. That's a really cool literary link to something but i can't remember it but it's not the word eretz. okay um I, at least i don't think it is mm-hmm. if it is it's okay praise. i bet if i saw them written out i wouldn't have made that link but they kind of sound yeah the same. they do um but i just want to point out the flood so what's going on in the flood uh god's judgment uh-huh and like a a reset great yeah those are good okay. words mm-hmm. a reset judgment so god says hey this this whole creation situation got really messy really fast like lamech is a king over here celebrating that he kills seven times 70 people and he feels justified in doing so like there's blood spilt all over the land Mm -hmm. so this land that i brought up out of the chaos to be a peaceful shalom place is now spilt with blood of the innocent which now the land has become a chaos place wow so I'm going to give the land back into the waters so that they can be cleansed so that we can renew this creation. Mm-hmm. And the word that I like to use because they use it on the Bible project is yeah. decreation. Oh, wow. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. If you notice in the flood narrative, um, water falls from the sky It says it's the first time that it rained Mm -hmm. and do you remember this fountains burst Mm -hmm. up. So it's the opposite of day two when God separates the waters, he puts waters above and waters below. Mm -hmm. Then in this flood story, waters are collapsing in. Mm -hmm. They're not just falling, but they're coming from both the top and the bottom. It's the opposite of creation. Mm-hmm. It's decreation. Yes. It's like where there he subsided the chaos. Mm-hmm. He's letting the chaos go. Mm. Whoa. That's good. I'm, I like that you use the words. He's letting the chaos go. Cause it's like his hands, his sovereignty was holding the chaos back to create a place for human flourishing. Mm-hmm. And humans took that place um, 
corrupted it so much so that he says, you've given yourselves to chaos. So I'm going to allow the chaos of creation to fall on you so that I can redo this thing, reset it. So wow. judgment, these are, these are great words. Mm -hmm. So we should be importing a lot of these ideas into Psalm 46. Another link that I'm thinking of is I know in like the Jewish culture or like back in the old Testament, mountains are always like the holy places and like Zion. And I'm wondering if this was like even, was this at all like prophetic of like the fall of the temple or anything? Or is it just more wow. resembling? That's great. I don't know. Yes. So typically in the Bible and just in the ancient world, can you think of other significant mountains and what they're tied to outside of the Bibles? Like way um, of thinking Greek mythology, for example, like the Acropolis, it was it called not the Acropolis. Oh, the Pantheon thing. Yeah. That's yeah. on a hill that's on in a Athens, hill. Athens. Yep. What, oh, Olympus. Yeah. No, that's what that's I was what thinking it, okay, of. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. But yeah, both. Mm -hmm. Um, so in, if you go to Athens today, I've been there, it's wild. There's a hill, um, called the Acropolis. You have it exactly. And there's like all these temples that are built on it because I mean, it makes sense. If you think mm -hmm. about it, the, the meeting place between where we humans dwell and where like the gods dwell, mm -hmm. um, the earth and the skies is the tallest part of earth. Yeah. The mountains. Mm -hmm. It's where we touch the sky the most. Totally. So especially those tall mountains like Mount Olympus, um, is seen as, you know, a significant holy place. Yeah. For sure. Um, there's even sayings about like Rome being a city that was built on seven hills. Oh, wow. Um, other cities claim mm -hmm. things like that. There's, there's like significance. Um, Babylon called itself the gate of the gods and they built towers up into the sky so that, that they felt like the higher they got mm -hmm. towards the heavens, the more like, heavenly and authoritative their people were yeah totally more blessed by the gods they uh -huh. would be that makes sense and that was sometimes used as like propaganda manipulation mm -hmm. to say like hey you know the king of babylon claims he is a god so worship him yeah um or you know these greek kings and leaders just claim that they're blessed by the gods or whatever mm -hmm. um but anyway, yeah, all that to say, you're totally right that in the ancient world, mountains are significant for places where people rule. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So Mount Zion is for Not, sure coming link. to mind. Yeah. Another link. That's, that's a great link. Um, I just want to point it out like verse three, we haven't read yet. <laughs> <laughs> We've only gone two verses. Yeah. We're, we're crushing it. This is great. Um, let the, oh wait, that's the NLT. I want to do the NASB. It says, though it's waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Again, it's saying we will not fear mm -hmm. though it's waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. So that's saying like the chaos mm -hmm. of the, the chaos ocean waters that are really deadly and scary. Like I don't have control in that place. Yeah. Have you ever been on the open ocean? Oh yeah. Especially like if it's like stormy or scary, mm -hmm. it's terrifying. You For feel sure. instantly so powerless. 
the ancient people would have known that feeling really well and would have lost loved ones to that, you know, perilous yeah, seas. Totally. Huh. What in the, in, do you have another translation? Like what does it say? Swelling pride there too. In the NLT, the new living translation, it says, let the, let in, interesting. Instead of though the waters, it says, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Okay. Surge instead mm-hmm. of swelling pride. Yeah. I don't know what the Hebrew is right there. Interesting. But I think either way, the picture is, hey, land is a safe place from the chaos of the waters. Mm-hmm. But right here, even the mountain doesn't feel like a safe place. The yeah. waters are scary. They're they're roaring, they're foaming, they're surging, and the mountains are trembling. Like the, where I have found security, I am not currently finding security. Mm-hmm. Which I would say, I mean, this is a very elaborate symbolic word picture, at least. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're talking about like being scared that an earthquake is going to be so bad that Mount Zion is actually going to be found in the middle of the Mediterranean. Though there are like, I mean, supposedly giant earthquakes that are coming to the West coast of the U S that are going to send entire city populations into the ocean Yeah, when they happen. I don't know if you've followed that at all. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Kind of tough. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So maybe in a literal way, some of this stuff could for sure happen Mm -hmm. and has happened. I don't know, but it's, but they would, it's mostly a word picture. Primarily. That's what everyone ha- is, is all the scholars now say this is a word picture. Yeah. I wouldn't venture to say all because I just don't Most, know, but some. it's yeah. From the scholars that I've read, they say this is, this is a word picture connecting you to creation, to decreation, um, to all the things that we've said thus far. Interlude. That's the first Selah. stanza. Selah. Which yeah. just means pause. Is that right? Yeah, that's a, it's honestly, it's just the same as those other Hebrew words. Mm-hmm. Selah. Our best guess is that it means some kind of pause, like a musical rest. Mm-hmm. It could mean like key change, like something is shifting in the music. Yeah. So there is a pause, but also a transition of mm-hmm. sorts. Um, but we don't know specifically what Selah meant. So if we were going to summarize this first stanza, it'd be God is our refuge and strength even when things get chaotic. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Like things get chaotic to the loudest volume. Okay. Like if the world is actually being decreated, Okay. And nothing else, including the tallest mountains, can save me from drowning in the ocean. I can still have no fear because I trust that God is my strength and my refuge. Mm. That's the picture that it's setting us up with. Okay. That's okay. Is that Great. so powerful? That's so powerful. That's I, really powerful. I hope so. It's it's cool to just dwell on it for this long. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible's so rich. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. And I'm sure that people listening have a lot more thoughts that they could add to our conversation so far, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. If you had a link that we didn't mention, mm-hmm. comment down below. Yes, I would love to hear it. We would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. 
put on Apple or YouTube. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, so first stanza, maybe this is a good time to just point out that there are three stanzas. Mm-hmm. Not many of the Psalms are broken out this obviously, but Psalm 46 is really convenient for us because it has three pretty even chunks and they're separated from each other by the word Selah. Mm-hmm. And the second and the third chunk both end with the same words. The Lord of heaven's armies is among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Or in the NASB, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. It says that at mm-hmm. the end of the second and third. So there's there's clearly like symmetry that you're supposed to be seeing between these three stanzas. Okay. So what we understand about the mountains shaking and the waters roaring, we're now supposed to project what we just learned onto this next stanza, or at least put it side by side and say, how are these similar? Totally. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. Do you want to read it? Sure. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the most high. God is in her midst. She is not, she will not be moved. Um, God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Praise God. Did you have any links as you read that? Um, I mean, still a lot of water imagery. Sure. A little bit of different water imagery now. Yeah, like good water. So we have a river. Like a good river. Yeah. Makes glad the city of God. Yes. City of God. That's a new place. But isn't that in Zion? Amen. Maybe. Yeah. Some might say. So maybe we're coming closer to this whole like mountain Mm -hmm. thing. Very good. And we know that like the city of God is on a mountain, which would be the dwelling place of the most high. So right. Yeah, it's all connected. That's good. Um, the city's also a girl. <laughs> yes. Um, Which is a normal thing in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a whole rabbit trail, but it's okay. I was, I'll just, I'll maybe actually, can I say, yeah. this is just kind of interesting. Um, when God makes Adam, he then makes Eve and the word that is used in the description of his making of Eve is mm-hmm. he builds Eve. Oh, wow. Odd, right? Mm-hmm. So he forms Adam. The word is Yatsar, which is like, um, he forms him like a potter mm-hmm. pots, like makes a clay pot, but he builds Eve. And the word there is almost exclusively used for structures like buildings. Interesting. Uh huh. Wow. And, then there's other literary links that I won't go into because it's too, too much to get into right now. And I don't know all of them, but um, other literary links to say that we're supposed to think of what God did with Eve and cities has kind of connected like the building of a place as like our help as our refuge. Um, and I think in part because of this, cities take on a feminine quality okay. wow. through scripture. That's cool. There's a lot there that could be mined. Okay. Just so you know. That's amazing. Earmark it for a later study if you want. All right. Perfect. <laughs> and then the whole bit about the nations and the kingdoms feels 
like a little floody, like they're not doing well. And so God raises his voice and the earth melted. Yeah. Whoa. That feels judgmenty. Yeah, that's good. Um, but I don't know. But like then but God will help this city of God. God will help Zion when the morning dawns. Mm. So I don't know. So there's salvation there. There's salvation, even though it gets crazy. There's a judgment and salvation simultaneously. Yes. And the salvation is from the nations is the word that we get. And the nations literarily are in the slot of the waters that roar and foam. Do you see that? Oh yeah. So though it's waters roar and foam, the mountains quake at its swelling in that same slot, you get the nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. Such vivid imagery. Isn't it? That's wild. So now I'm supposed to think, oh, in the same like chaotic way that I think of the ocean or the seas mm -hmm. attacking the land, like, like the waves are just relentless. They're just beating the land up yeah. every single day, all the time. In the same way, I'm supposed to think about the nations coming against the people of God. Hmm. Yeah. See that how those mm -hmm. the totally. slot kind of works if you if you assume that symmetry. Um, another thing that is just a cool literary link that is harder to see is that God will help her when morning dawns. Morning dawning is the time throughout the Bible when God most often saves his people. Hmm. Um, the first time that happens is when the east wind blows in and splits the Red Sea apart. So the Israelites are camped at the edge of the Red Sea fleeing Egypt. Mm -hmm. And Moses is told to stretch out his hand and the wind starts to blow and then they can walk through the Red Sea because it's split in half. Mm -hmm. That's very deliberately written in Exodus oh, wow. as happening when the morning is dawning. Mm -hmm. And then that sets a pattern of salvation um, of God's people in the morning time. Mm -hmm. So God regularly creates like a salvation moment, which if you remember... I mean, honestly, Resurrection Sunday happening yeah. in the morning mm -hmm. when they go, totally. the women or whichever gospel you're reading, the stone rolls and I think there's something Jesus about like, like the light of light breaking through the dark. Like that's yes. a motif throughout so much of like, even, yeah. you know, on crucifixion, the clouds cover or Psalm 23, like the shadow, the valley of death. Like there's something about, there's something like, yeah, South, South thick about the morning. That's I can so see good. that. Amen. Link. Link. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Even in the creation story, God says, let there be light. Mm -hmm. And there's, you get these different, um, contrasts, light and darkness is one of them. Land and sea is another. Mm -hmm. And in many ways they're doing the same things. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Like even John one, um, it says, and the life was the light of men and the darkness cannot overcome it. When it's talking about Jesus, hmm. he's referring to Jesus as the word and the life and the light. 
the light that overcomes the darkness. So that's for sure all over scripture. Hmm. So it's a helpful one to pull on. Is there also a link to the disciples on, in the storm on the sea of Galilee? Oh, and like, I don't know. I could see like, cause like that's this chaotic thing. And then it's like, it dawns like that's through the night. It dawns too. So it's like, maybe that's just yes something in that's scripture great. that's similar. Absolutely. That's something okay. I haven't thought about that one, but mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's the chaotic waters that you don't have power over mm-hmm. and why it's so mind blowing to the disciples is one. That's just a, incredible phenomenon that Jesus calmed a storm. Yes. But like the ways of nature respond to his voice is that's already baffling. Mm -hmm. But what that means symbolically that the forces of chaos are subdued when God speaks, when Mm -hmm. Jesus speaks. Oh yeah. That's like Genesis, like so plainly. That's cool. That's so good. Thank you, Lord. And it's a kind of salvation because remember the disciples say in that story, we will surely die. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, almost like he has this sentiment, though the waters roar and foam, Mm -hmm. I will not fear because you are my refuge and strength. Jesus says, where is your faith? Mm. And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Look at the water right now. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. What do you mean? Where's your faith, Jesus? Where are your eyeballs? We're about to die. <laughs> Come on, dude. Wow, that's a great story for this psalm. Hmm. That's perfect. Hmm. Wow, the Bible is so cool. Hmm. Limitless. Amen. Huh. Okay. I think we're doing well. How do you feel? We're doing good. Um, I think we could maybe unpack. We're, we're working a little bit backwards in the second stanza. but Yeah, for sure. Um. We could unpack a little bit more of verse four. Okay. Um, I don't really even know exactly what to do, but when you think of a river whose streams make glad the city of God, we are river house after all. Exactly. What do you have to say about river? Do you think, does that link you anywhere? Links me to believe it's Ezekiel. Great. Where like we get the river house coming from the temple, that whole thing. And then also revelation for sure. Oh, great. I feel like yes. that's also in Revelation, right? Yep. Okay. There's a river. Yes. There's the tree of life is on both sides of the river in Revelation, mm-hmm. which like, what does that mean? Totally. <laughs> it's like the river's flowing underneath the root system of this tree that is so massive that it's growing on both sides. Mm. There's a lot of symbolism there that I would like to unpack more, but I don't know it how to unpack it. But okay. So yeah, Revelation and... Ezekiel are both pulling on something that happened before in the biblical narrative. Hint, it's very, very early in the Bible. Eden. Boom. You got it. And there's like lots of rivers there. Great. Talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Lots of rivers. Mm -hmm. Do you remember anything about them? I'm really putting you on the spot a lot today. You're (laughs) killing it. Tigris, Euphrates. Nice. Another one. Yes. Yeah. There's like three that we know, uh-huh. one that we've never heard of. Yeah. Something like that. And <laughs> yeah. Eden was like the that pe- area. This like mm-hmm. fertile, all these rivers yes. bring life. Mm-hmm. Water brings life in this scenario. Yep. You got That's it. what comes to mind. Okay. I think it's the, the Gihon mm-hmm. and the Pishon. And then the Tigris and the Euphrates. 
are the four rivers that are mentioned, which we think are the four rivers sourcing the four kingdoms of the Bible um, that are most worthy of noting. Um, the Euphrates and the Tigris going to um, Babylon and Assyria, mm-hmm. respectively. The Pishon, we think, and this is debated, but yeah. we think the Pishon is an Egyptian river mm-hmm. that's name has since changed. It might be the Nile. It might be a different river in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And then the Gihon, we're pretty sure because of another reference somewhere, I don't know, is the water source um, bringing water to Jerusalem. Okay. So wow. in those four rivers, I like that interpretation at least. Mm-hmm. If you disagree with me, that's okay. We can have coffee and talk about it. But um, in those four rivers, it's like, God is saying the garden of Eden is the spring from which like the, the headwaters from which these most incredible nations, empires of the world are sourced. Mm-hmm. Like they get their life from Eden. Okay. You see yeah, that? Totally. That's it. Mm-hmm. So that's the river at its beginning. And maybe I'll even say, before we get to the names of the rivers, um, at the beginning of Genesis two, the land is dry and it's a desert and it says it hadn't rained. And so there's no plants on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like this mist comes out of the ground and waters the earth and there's a spring that starts to well up hmm. and at, at the spring, God can plant a garden hmm. and that's where the garden of Eden comes from. Okay. The, like God is somehow seeing a completely desolate place where life cannot happen and he's bringing fresh water miraculously Wow! out of the desert. Isn't that a cool picture? Totally. That, that picture we should see when we read Genesis two mm-hmm. and then that same kind of miraculous life out of the dry desert yes, totally. happens other times. Mm-hmm. Um, like an exodus. The yes. Rock. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if I should ask you, but you uh, knew it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exodus and numbers. Um, that's when Moses hits the rock when he shouldn't have. And mm-hmm. he gets in trouble, but he does it twice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So fresh waters mm-hmm. flowing in the desert where there is no water and the people are about to die. Mm-hmm. God brings salvation through the waters. Wow. Make glad the city of God. So good. These are all connected. That's good. I love that. Isn't that fun? Uh, there's more that could be done, but, um, interesting other, other. Yeah. I'm just curious, like it, in verse four, Make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the most high Hmm. places is stands out to me as plural. When I think of the temple as singular and God as singular, I'm not sure. Is that just more of like his Hmm. buildings, his city? Is that maybe what it could mean? That just like, just as like things that stood out to me. I'm super glad you said it. Because, yeah, I don't know. Hey, listener, we're interrupting this podcast right now just because Jace asked that really wonderful question just there about About why. Yeah, why it's places instead of place. Um, And 
I had no idea. Uh, and I wanted to click around and look at the Hebrew and the day of recording that podcast, I didn't really give it enough time to figure out what was going mm-hmm. on. So yeah, we didn't really land on anything. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to cut that bit out. Yep. And we're amending it here and we changed clothes just for this. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so fun. So, uh, I still don't know a ton. I could have done a lot deeper dive in the word study, but this is just the little bit that I want to say in response to that question. Uh, cause I think it might actually be important, but I'm just going to leave it to the listener to dig into the importance of it. Um, so the word translated as dwelling place or tabernacle is Mishkan mm-hmm. if it's singular. Um, but in Psalm 46, four, it's plural. Okay. It is decisively plural. Interesting. Uh, it's like unquestionably plural, but I think different translations don't know what to do with it. So if they don't say the holy dwelling places, like the new American standard does, it calls it a holy habitation Mm -hmm. or like NIV just says holy place. I think it just says Mm -hmm. it singular. Yeah. A lot of, I was clicking through the different translations and a lot of them just say place. It's not funny. And I think that might be because the translators don't know what to do with the question of the plural places, Mm -hmm. because in the Hebrew mind, uh, there is only one place where God dwells on earth and it's, you know, the mercy seat, the the holy of holies, the temple or the tabernacle that traveled around with Moses. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to flush out a little bit more what you think that might mean if it is decisively plural? Uh, yeah, I feel like something I said in the original recording was something about this being a prophetic picture hmm. post the the tearing of the the curtain in the tabert in the holy of holies mm-hmm. on Temple Mount. And so then, if like I don't know, like it just it kind of gets way more ethereal of like the Lord is is everywhere. Um, and in this new heaven or this new Zion that is coming, uh, he would he would not be just in one place necessarily because he's in all of us. So if it's if it's a prophetic picture, I could see it that way. But that's like kind of where the the only direction my mind goes. I love that. I when I went around for this word in the Old Testament, I found that Mishkan shows up a bunch of times because it's always talking about the tabernacle through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost always singular. Um, the exception to that is if it's not talking about God's dwelling place, it could talk about like the tents of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's plural. Uh, but if it's talking about God's dwelling places, plural, then it's um, some like poetic or prophetic use. Oh yeah. So either in the Psalms, Mm -hmm. it's used plural just a handful of times or in the prophets. So like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, they use it prophetically Mm -hmm. to refer to the dwelling places, which is interesting because both of those prophets and the latter prophets would have seen God's holy temple destroyed. Yeah. And yet they're prophesying about God's dwelling places. Mm-hmm. after the one dwelling place has been eradicated. So I think I think your impulse is a really good one. I think our heads should probably go to something more cosmic than a building that mm-hmm. exists 
in one geographical place. Hmm. Um, it's a good way to put that. Yeah. Whether we're talking about like heavenly dwelling places, like heavenly courts, mm-hmm. um, this word is plural also in, uh, Psalm 43 and Psalm 84, I want to say. And in one of those, it talks about the courts of God, um, in conjunction with the dwelling places mm-hmm. of the Lord. So anyway, I think what another thing I wanted to inject in here that we didn't have in the original recording is the next word, um, the holy dwelling places of mm-hmm. God, the Lord. No, it says of the most high. Hmm. This would be a really, really challenging biblical um trivia question for you but if any listener knows who makes the concept of god most high famous in the bible oh someone specifically refers to a priest of the god most high um and then blesses abraham in the name of god most high uh if you said melchizedek king and high priest of salem you are correct wow which is that wasn't even on my short list i'll be honest really no problem he's such a obscure character that he's not even on a lot of people's map Mm -hmm. um and he'd be a fun person to talk about at some point but totally um el elion is god most high and that is not um like wording that's used to talk about the god of the bible very much Mm -hmm. Uh, i find that most of the time it is used it's used in the context of the nations, the non-Israelite people mm-hmm. who acknowledge God. Wow. So Melchizedek being one of them, he's mm-hmm. not Israelite because yeah. there are no Israelites yet. He's a high priest to Yahweh, supposedly. That Yahweh is called God Most High. Um, and Abraham recognizes that relationship that this high priest Mm. has with God. Yeah. And it's in the city of Salem, which is the city of Shalom, which is the predecessor to the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, wow. So anyway, if you didn't follow what I just did in Hebrew, basically Melchizedek is a priest of God on the same mountain that would later become Jerusalem. Wow. And there's really intentionally a lot of links there mm-hmm. between the nations worshiping God and the prophetic picture of the future Jerusalem, one hundred percent, where the nations will ascend the the holy hill of God yeah. to worship in His dwelling places. That's cool. That's really cool. So anyway, th- that's why I, I felt like this was important to come back on and insert this in our conversation. Yeah, what a good psalm. It's just a nugget that mm-hmm. is golden. You know? Oh yeah, no, that's like. I mean, this is such a beautiful psalm as we get into for so many other reasons, but like, the, what a beautiful picture of the new, new Jerusalem. Right. And like if the next verse, God is within her as in mm. within the city and not just like, in, it seems like it's just throughout, all throughout God will be. And so it makes sense that they might use places in the verse prior. Yeah, that's good. That makes sense. And to further affirm what you already said, um, if it's talking about within her, meaning the city, mm-hmm. in the New Testament, what does Jesus say? You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. Yeah. 
um, will not be hidden. There's multiple times throughout the New Testament where there's a connection between Jesus's followers and the city of God, um, which I think is supposed to make us think that the holy city, the new Jerusalem is made manifest Mm -hmm. in the disciples of Christ spread throughout the world. Oh, which is exactly what you said earlier, that we are all like tabernacles. So I think you could totally say what you said earlier. This was a long way of me saying yes and amen (laughs) and maybe even more. So yeah, meditate on that. And I honestly don't remember where the podcast goes right after this, but enjoy listening to the rest of us, rest of our time unpacking Psalm 46. All right. Back to you, Benji and Jace. Should we see verse seven? Yeah. Pointed out. This is the one that's repeated. Verse seven and verse 11 are the same. It says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Um, I don't know. What does that make you think of? Uh, I mean, it brings me back to the beginning. The God is our refuge and strength. Oh yeah, totally. That, that feels repetitive. That's good. Um, yeah, and I'm also like, I bet Lord of Hosts is like a really beautiful Hebrew word, maybe. Mm. I'm not sure. I would think Lord of Hosts is like Lord over all, like all the universe. I'm yeah. thinking is what that means. Like yeah. the heavenly hosts, usually like the stars and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's great. And then even though my name isn't Jacob, I know God is still the God of me. <laughs> I know Jacob in the Old Testament. Yeah, who what? was Abur Joshua? I don't. Who is Jacob again? You got it. He's connected to Abraham and Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob is um, Joseph's father. <laughs> if you remember the coat of many colors, yes, yeah. Jacob was the one who gave the coat of many colors to his son Joseph. Okay. Uh, he was also Abraham's grandson. So it goes okay. Abraham. His kid is Isaac. Mm-hmm. Isaac has Jacob. Okay. And then Jacob has the 12 tribes. Wild. So when you say the God of Jacob um, in the Bible, what you're thinking of is all 12 tribes, mm-hmm. all of God's covenant people. I think it was a living translation that said Israel, God of Israel. Yeah, it did. Which is funny that it just translates that differently because the Hebrew I'm looking at right now, it very clearly says Yaakov, which is Jacob. Mm -hmm. But the NLT probably liked to say Israel because that, what that captures is I'm not just talking about the person of Jacob. I'm talking about the people of Israel and the person of Jacob symbolizes the people. Totally. Um, so when I look at Jacob, I'm thinking of the the covenant that God made with Abraham. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that's going on just in his name, you know, it's like that covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 12 is where God says, I'm going to make many descendants of you that are going to outnumber the stars and you're going to be a blessing to all nations. The people who bless you, I will bless the people curse you. I will curse that covenant is carried on through Mm -hmm. Jacob. Um, and then the 12 tribes, which is a way of thinking of all of the people of Israel as one cohesive people group. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and they had to come back to that because sometimes there was like civil war or, you know, 
fighting fighting amongst yeah. the tribes mm-hmm. uh-huh was is there someone in the bible whose name was changed to israel oh yeah that's jacob that is jacob yes okay that was, that, that you, also makes sense you got it i thought that was like i thought after he wrestled with god right is that jacob exactly okay you win all right i was like i was trying to put that together i'm like wait i think his name also becomes israel yeah sorry i didn't say that outright but yes that does make more sense so he's a man with two names mm-hmm. jacob Yaakov kind of unfortunately means um, the one who grabs the heel, which is a euphemism for the deceptive one. <laughs> uh, it's even like kind of a little jab, like almost calling Jacob a snake. Oh, yeah. The one who bites the heel because Genesis. we're told when he comes out of the womb with his brother Esau, because they're twins, um, he comes out holding his brother's heel. Like he's always trying to deceive or grab or steal his brother's anointing. Hmm. And then, um, well, it was really his anointing from the Lord. He's trying to steal his brother's inheritance, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but then God renames him Israel, which means to, um, to like wrestle with God and prevail. Wow. Which Jacob's story is a really like messy and beautiful one where Mm -hmm. God totally redeems a broken man who was not a, uh, not a good man for a long time. Um, but eventually submits to the Lordship Mm -hmm. of God and humbles himself, even though he's still imperfect because he like has a favorite son and Mm -hmm. preferences, Joseph it's like, and he has a favorite wife and then totally, you know, there's, there's still for sure, just a lot of messiness in that dude's story. Um, the 12 tribes of Judah, what of, of jo- Jacob of Jacob mm-hmm. Judah's one of them Judah's one of them mm-hmm. Joseph was there just a tribe of Joseph or did he become something different oh yeah I'm How's glad you work? ask sorry this is kind of a rabbit trail but funny okay here we go yeah I'll try and do this quick there are 12 tribes there are 12 sons that Jacob has mm-hmm. um you could read the list uh Reuben Zebulun, Naphtali, Simeon, I don't know the order of it. Judah, I think mm-hmm. is the fourth. Uh, Levi is in there. Benjamin and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've heard tribes of all of those other brothers, hopefully. Yeah. But you've never heard of the tribe of Joseph. Yeah. But you have heard of the tribe of um, Ephraim uh-huh. or Ephraim, depending on how you pronounce it, and Manasseh. Okay. Those two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, are Joseph's two kids. Okay. So what happens is, and I don't know why all this goes down, but when at the end of Genesis, um, when Joseph has Ephraim and Manasseh, they're adopted by their grandfather as his children. Oh. Weird. Confusing. I don't know exactly why that happens. There's got to be a really cool biblical explanation for that. But Jacob says... Like he, he blesses, um, Ephraim and Manasseh and he does this whole, like the younger son gets the blessing of the older son, mm-hmm. which has happened generationally. And it's kind of, there's, there's a lot there yeah. to unpack also, but, um, these two get adopted into the family. So now there's 13 tribes mm-hmm. because we kind of forget Joseph and Joseph becomes two yeah. Ephraim okay. and Manasseh. And then the tribe of Levi never gets land. Mm-hmm. They never have an inheritance of land. And because of that, the Levites dwell with 
the Benjaminites and the Judeans, mm-hmm. and they kind of dwell all throughout the other t- 12 tribes. Yeah. So then when we think of the 12 tribes of Israel, typically we just talk about the 12 that were given a land inheritance when okay. they moved into the promised land, Okay. which includes Manasseh and Ephraim. And then the other 10 brothers, not Joseph, not Levi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did yes. that track? No, yeah, that totally tracked. That okay. makes a lot more sense. Cool. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for Thanks. that for history. That was great. Thanks for holding on. No, that was awesome. Why that happened in that way, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all good. It did, though. Uh, Fascinating. Should we do the last stanza? Let's do it. Okay. You want to read it? <laughs> Why don't you read it? Okay. <clears throat> Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Wow. <laughs> Did you have any links? Um, this one is less uh, like biblically symbolic. Totally. I think. I I was in, it's interesting. It's interesting where the be still and know that I am God lays in context. Oh yeah. Like just, I don't know. Flush you that you feel like it would, you feel like it would be somewhere in Psalm 23. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um but this is like God stopping violence with his power. Yeah. So I don't know, there's something maybe there. That's good. I don't know. That's all kind of I, I had I didn't link as much to that one. More just like the the calming of mm-hmm. the chaos, which I guess it, we've seen before. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so First, we have like the chaos waters are intimidating to the land, which is secure, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And that secure land looks like it's going to slip into the heart of the sea. So like decreation is happening. And in spite of all of that, God is my refuge and strength and I will not fear. In the second stanza, um, I'm going to continue to not fear because the holy habitation of the Lord exists among us. We are the people of God dwelling in the city of God, nourished by his wellspring of life. Hmm. All my fountains are in you is another Psalm Mm -hmm. that like God's fresh water is sourcing our needs. And we have peace even when the nations around us threaten our safety and security. Mm -hmm. So it's like, the nations are coming against us, but we as pe- God's people can rest secure that we belong in his city. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of Israelites that believed that so much that they didn't believe the prophecies of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel. And so they thought Jerusalem actually can't be destroyed. It doesn't matter how wicked we are mm-hmm. because God lives here. Like people can't touch us yeah. ever. And then Ezekiel has this really sobering vision of God and his glory leaving the temple and going away from it. Oof. 
And Ezekiel's like, yeah, we're toast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe the temple's still there, but God's not. Yeah. This is no longer the holy habitation. So they like, they thought of God as more transactional and eventually like allowed um, their arrogance to get the better of them. And then they got Mm -hmm. wrecked by the nations, (laughs) which is judgment. Yeah, totally. Because God's people became, became the nations. They became the chaos waters themselves instead of the people that dwell in the city of God. Hmm. So anyway, that there are these themes of judgment and salvation and, and who does God choose to judge and who does he choose to save or like who are his people is an interesting conversation throughout the Bible. Um, and now here we have like even scaled out on what I would call an, a more cosmic level. Mm-hmm. global level yeah maybe but i like cosmic because it's it's talking about the concept of war in general not just specific battles but it says come behold the works of god how he has brought desolations on the earth i think of desolations i think of like destruction violence mm-hmm. he's bringing violence to the earth and then what's the thing he's bringing violence to Oh, weapons of war yeah, and warfare itself. Because that that first line makes you uncomfortable and then it resolutes, it has some resolution around, oh, he's actually, he's not going after just earth in general. Yeah. That seems scary, but he's going after like the weapons of war. I think that's the way we're supposed to see this, Mm -hmm. that he's seeing the, the, the tragic things that exist in the world and his judgment is going to strike those things. Mm hmm. And that earth is going to melt <laughs> that, um, that bow and that arrow are going to be shattered. That chariot is going to burn because those are things that exist for cruelty, mm-hmm. for oppression, for tyranny, for yeah. slavery. And those are not the way of the city of God Mm -hmm. where the holy streams of living water make the people of God glad. Come on. And so God is committed to the cosmic city of his people where his presence is like a living water stream. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he's so committed that he's going to in judgment, clean up anything that compromises Mm -hmm. the purity of his like heavenly dwelling place with his people. Wow. Do you see that? Totally. Which is sobering because it's judgment, Mm -hmm. but it's the kind of judgment that we have the utmost hope in. Absolutely. It's the like eschatological judgment, which is a way of saying the judgment at the end of all things where every tear is wiped away and Mm -hmm. there's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more death. Weapons of war will be done with god's gonna destroy it all praise god i think that's what this is pointing Mm -hmm. to so good this is giving us like an eternal hope this um out of curiosity like this feels like a prophecy of a time to come Mm. are they it would the psalm writers be pulling from prophets back then that had said similar things or was this like first was this revelation solely in Psalms and then pulled from by John in his revelation? Like, oh. I don't know how, like, cause like we see that same 
you know, motif mm -hmm. in the revelation of John too. That's good. I would say idea? probably both things are happening. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the prophets are definitely prophesying that wars are going to cease at the end times. Mm -hmm. Isaiah is kind of famous for like your swords are going to be beat into plowshares. Mm -hmm. So your weapons of war are actually going to become weapons of like harvest restoration of all things. Amen. Restoration of all things. Bring us back. <laughs> we talked about that on one of our previous mm -hmm. podcasts, didn't we? The creation one. I think that's so good in my parents' backyard. I love that <laughs> image. I know that's so beautiful. Instead of death, we're going to use that same metal and give life. I'm going to, I'm going to feed hungry people. <laughs> so good. I just love that image. It gets me really good. So, um, the, those images are throughout the prophets mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Whether this Psalm was inspired by those prophets. Um, I think you could say they were inspired by the same like prophetic hope that lived by the spirit of God in God's people. Okay. Um, so you could say that the author of Psalm 46 was himself a prophet. Okay. The sons of Korah yeah. were, um, they were a Levite group. Korah was a Levite mm -hmm. um, and his sons were like a specific lineage of Levites. So they were like priests. Priests. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That dwelt with the temple and the mm -hmm. tabernacle. Um, they weren't always good. Unfortunately, in numbers, there's a really gnarly story where the earth opens up and swallows Korah yeah. and his family. Oof. That's this guy. These guys. Bummer. Yeah. These guys. Wow. Um, but supposedly some of them lived and went on to write one of some yeah. of our favorite Psalms, mm -hmm. which praise God born of affliction, I guess. Um, judgment talk about some sobering stuff there. Yeah. I mean, if that's true, like mm -hmm. the, the earth, like, I don't know the earth coming up and giving way, giving way or yeah. Giving way <laughs> and sinking down. Like, I'm like, that's very, that's they've, they've <laughs> seen that firsthand, you know, that hits home. Totally. Like yeah. they're, they're glad they went to run an errand and go to the grocery store. <laughs> they missed that day. Yeah. yeah oh my totally. gosh. Well, um, where did, where did our tents go? <laughs> oh, weird thing. This, the ground split open and swallowed your tents and all of your family. Drat. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I had a one, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. We're We're good on time. Okay. But, um, I had a question about the cease driving and know that I'm God I yeah. will was it be exalted among the nations be exalted along the earth. That's in quotations. Mm. Is that from another part of like the Torah or anything, or is that just them oh. speaking as God? I'm glad you asked in our translation. It is in quotations and probably most translations it's in quotations because the, the translator is trying to tell you, God is speaking now. Okay. That's all. Yeah. That's all it is. Which makes sense. So it's not a quote from somewhere mm -hmm. else. Okay. Um, it's just saying the voice of the speaker is transitioning. Mm -hmm. And for the listener, quotation marks don't exist in Hebrew. So that's an interpretive decision that someone okay. made. Um, like the words glory and tabernacle and most high God do exist in Hebrew mm -hmm. and we're translating them, but the quotes are assumed. Okay. Uh-huh. So that's, that's all that is, but it's like, 
if you're talking about God in the third person, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Yeah. And Shift. Switch. Be still and know that I am God. Totally. Is a way. Uh, yeah. The interpreter just said, hey, well, let's slap quotation marks yeah. on that. So we remember, hey, this is the moment when like, God is speaking. Totally. We're not thinking, man, these sons of chorus think highly of themselves. <laughs> Thankfully, no. Yeah. It's yeah. obviously and, not consistent with the heart and the spirit of i i know that i was just curious because it's like i feel like so often it's like oh wow i didn't realize that was from i guess that happens a lot more in the new testament where things are quoted from the old testament yeah maybe that doesn't happen as much in the old testament it does but not as much i, I think there are a handful of things that mm -hmm. are especially quoted a lot like when god says the lord the lord gracious Mm -hmm. or compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That whole thing in Exodus 34, mm -hmm. that's quoted all over the Bible. Yeah. Um, but I don't think God like said, be still and know that I'm God. And this whole line, mm -hmm. we don't have those lines from him anywhere else in scripture. That's uniquely here. Mm -hmm. But I will also point out that in like, if you changed first person, third person, first person in an essay in high school, your English teacher would have corrected you and said, Hey, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the way that we do literature. You have to like stay consistent with one voice. Totally. Uh, Hebrew, that rule doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. So they switch regularly back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll read some Psalms and it'll be like, Oh, the people are talking. Oh, and now all of a sudden the King is talking. Oh, and now God is talking. Oh, mm -hmm. now the King is talking again. And now God's talking again. It's like, it'll go back and forth within the same Psalm pretty oh, yeah. abruptly sometimes. So that's normal. Just, okay. just to flag that. So good. Um, but I guess what's lovely is that be still and know that I am God if you make a full symmetry and fold the psalm back on itself, mm -hmm. um, that's the second to last verse. And in the second verse, you have, therefore, we will not fear. Oh, yeah. You see that symmetry? Mm -hmm. um, that's cool. Which is a way to say, I think, that whether nations are attacking us, um, whether we're just dealing with the concept of war and death, Mm -hmm. whether we're dealing with natural disaster and it feels like the known universe is collapsing in on us. We are not to fear, but instead the posture we're to take is stillness, peace, wow. rest in the assurance of God's character. Wow. Because we know who God is. We dwell in his cosmic city of life and if anything touches me on earth, nothing can touch me eternally because I belong to the holy city of God. Let's go. Like my name is written in the book of life. Hmm. Um, so I think that's talking about like specific life moments today. Mm -hmm. And especially it's talking about the wow. eternal. Absolutely. Do you think, do you see that? Oh yeah. No, that's, that was very well said. Hmm. That was very well said. Sorry, I didn't say that. Isn't back. this psalm cool? It's a good psalm. You have good taste. Thanks. It's a good one. We might have been able to love any psalm if we sat on it for this long. For sure. Absolutely. It's nice because it's got structure that's easier to see than most of the other psalms, I think. Yeah. 
Totally. Um, there's symmetry. There's these symbols that are playing off of each other, like the waters and the nations. Um, yeah. And it's, it's helpful to know, I guess a couple things to bring us full circle. One, this is how the Bible is written <laughs> in case you don't, you don't know, like all of these links and things, that picture of mountain being thrown into the ocean is not just an isolated metaphor in this one passage. Mm-hmm. And the Bible regularly will have isolated metaphors like that. R- uh, rarely will have isolated metaphors like that. Usually those metaphors and symbols are being pulled from other parts of scripture. Mm-hmm. And they have a much more rich meaning than just the surface level reading can see. So good. And maybe the last point I want to make Mm -hmm. is um, how can this psalm, is a question, not a point, how can this psalm teach us to pray? Hmm. Yeah. That's the goal, after all, if what I said earlier is true. We're acknowledging the thing that's making us terrified. Mm -hmm. And in the face of that thing, we're acknowledging that God is our refuge, our strength, and that we are not to fear. There's assurance in the face of fear in the voice of the person writing this psalm. Yeah, totally. Hmm. And so I think there are principles here that we can pick up and practice in our personal prayer lives. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't do that, then we're not reading the Psalms well. Like to, to, to not allow it to model and change the way we pray. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that's good. Yeah. I see like, you know, coming to God first, praising him for who he is mm-hmm. or stating who he is. I've, I feel like I've picked that up from even, um, like even like the Lord's prayer. It's like, like our father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Like God, you are so high and above everything Mm -hmm. that I know. And your name is great. And like, so it's like you start with that and then you can like, you know, like in this, it's like the waters are crazy right now. I feel like I'm being thrown into the sea and I've just, everything's chaotic. And then also, and then praying into like, and like believing what you know to be true about eternity even. Yeah. And like letting that like, um, mold your prayers in the end, like praying with hope for something that you've yet to be yet to see here. And maybe that kind of even looks like bringing your requests to God as long as those requests align with, you know. Mm-hmm. what is in Jesus name? Like whatever you pray in my name will be done. Mm-hmm. So I Amen. Know, something like that, tying it into that was lovely. Well, new Testament that felt really practical in prayer. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, have you ever had those times? <laughs> in fact, knowing you, I'm wondering if those times <laughs> were this weekend where it feels like the seams of life are just kind of falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, that person is really sick and that's devastating and I'm running out of money and my car just broke down. Yeah. And 
now I'm getting this phone call from this person that they're in life crisis. And oh my gosh, like, is the sky falling? Mm-hmm. That's a phrase that we use. Oh yeah, totally. The sky is falling. Mm-hmm. That's like a modern decreation way of thinking, you know? Wow. It's like the world creation that's is so, collapsing yeah. on itself. That's so interesting. Yeah. That sounds like the Old Testament. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah. And I think really just to like even bring this back to my life and apply it <laughs> this weekend when I was just so overwhelmed. Um, I feel like the song breathe by Maverick city mm. came to mind. Oh, and it like, it like brought this stillness to what was going on. And in that song, I, I feel like they even talk about like all the times that God has, mm. you know, come through which is like, be still and know that I'm God. Wow. You know? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And I, I that's, that's where great. I felt like th- that was like the only reprieve for my soul, which just wanted to live in this mm-hmm. emotional pity party. Wow. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. I, w- I like, I want to be trusting the Lord and all this. Mm-hmm. And it took me, took stillness and essentially a liturgy of song to get me there. That's great. Praise God for Maverick city. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's the sentiment. I'm so glad also that you brought up earlier when Jesus and the disciples are caught in the storm on the sea of Galilee, Mm -hmm. because if, if I ever question, what does it look like to be still? And know that I'm God in the context of this Psalm. Mm -hmm. It looks like Jesus sleeping on that boat. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. totally. (laughs) That's so good. Telling his disciples to have more faith because all will be well. Hmm. Wow. Lord help us get there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, this has been a fun exercise. Yeah. I like the Bible study thing. Thanks for letting me just do that. Totally. Thanks for letting us do that, listener. I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope that you could follow along. I encourage you to just go listen to the psalm again or read it or go interact with it and see how it comes to life to you now in a way that it didn't before. Totally. How does it speak to your moment today? And then how can that change the way that you pray this afternoon? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Hmm. I love that. It's it's always fun to read a verse and dig into it or a passage of chapter or whatever, and then let that all just kind of marinate and then just read it again. Yeah. That's like just a good practice and it just makes it that much more colorful. Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Oh, it's holy. May we never see the psalm the same way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Good times. Thanks, mm-hmm. Benjamin. Thank you, Jace. Thanks for sharing your passion about the Psalms and this one specifically. You were linking so well. That was fun to play the link game with you. We should, I'm going to just bring the link game into our next uh, podcast. Yeah, do it. Link. Link. Oh, we're not playing the link game right now. Link. (laughs) Link. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, doing this at home. Yes. Let's be like, what are you doing? (laughs) Teaches a Kai. Mm -hmm. Link. Link. I should probably teach him scripture first. Oh, well, then I'll have something to link. There we go. Good. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, friends, for listening. 
Um, yeah, feel free to interact with us however you'd like. We hope to hear from you. Uh, we bless you with the peace that passes all understanding Come on. so that you can not fear the raging waters that roar and foam, but you can rest secure being still and knowing who really sits on the throne. That's good stuff. <laughs> Amen. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters Podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. And if you would like to join us at Riverhouse for Sunday service, we meet at the Vineyard Boise at 4 p.m. We'd love to see you there. We cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends. Our theme music was written and recorded by the Riverhouse worship team. Production is done by Jordan Sodeman. Special thanks to Isaiah Guerrero for our artwork. Benjamin Olson writes and co-hosts with me, Jace Langley, and I also edit this bad boy. If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.